Here on the Wide Angle Podium Network, the Honest Bicycle Program is supported by Health IQ, a life insurance agency. Health IQ has exclusive rates for health conscious people. They crunch numbers on athletes and use unique models to offer physically active people lower rates on life insurance. So to learn more, please visit healthiq.com slash honestbicycle. You can learn more about what they're about and you can get a free quote on life insurance. That's healthiq.com slash honestbicycle. We're thrilled to have their support, so please check them out. Okay, hang on. Let me. I'm gonna try. I don't know if this is gonna come through, mm-hmm. but we're gonna try. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, this is working out great. Now I can. Oh. Let me. Let me see. So I've been working on my uh, alcohol identification skills. I've been taking a class at the community center. Uh, uh-huh. That sounds like. How do you know this is alcohol? That could a be great soda. Twelve-year-old scotch. Ugh, no. Really. Nope. It sounds a lot like a 12-year-old scotch would sound. I, 12-year-old scotch is out of my price range. <laughs> the trick is to buy one-year-old scotch and then let it sit around for a decade or more. <laughs> Can you buy one-year-old scotch? <laughs> Isn't it still in the barrel at that point? You're buying scotch futures. It's like if you can buy. It's, that's like literally buying a barrel of raw scotch. <laughs> I'm not sure that's actually an economical choice. I'm gonna be honest here. I don't know from scotch. <laughs> yeah, me neither. I I would love to know more. Well, I, I've had a couple things and I've liked them. I gotta get my friend Dan over here, and uh, I think that we were gonna do like a, a scotch and bourbon kind of tasting. The problem is that his season's over because uh, he's a roadie. <laughs> and, and mine is not and yours uh, has just begun mine has well we're about we're about uh <coughs> excuse me like a third of the way in in terms of months and actually about halfway in terms of races which was a bit of a shock yeah but uh you know it's fine i i'm 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 getting there i'm getting there it's 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 good it's been fun it's uh i i now have done more races than i did last year nice in the cyclocross that is which is which is good and i'm having way more fun um and i'm actually pretty excited it's it's been sort of uh even though i'm not particularly fa- people keep telling me hey greg you're fast and i'm like no <laughs> that's not true thank you but no um but uh, I, I do feel like I'm laying down a foundation. Nice. Uh, but more importantly, yeah, I'm having, I'm having a good time. I'm having a good time. So anyway, this is a this is actually it's not a grape soda, it's not a grape soda, uh, nor is it a scotch. It's it's a, a Samuel Smith oatmeal stout. Oh, um, nice. I'm not sure it's gonna fit in this glass. I'm actually not quite done. I got a heck of a lot of there was some foam. There was a foam situation <laughs> happening, um, and and it got a little bit it got a little rowdy. Got a little out of control. I, I'm having to be far away from the microphone because because I had was holding the the glass in front of it. But <clears throat> anyway, that's what that was. Just doing a little bit of foley work, and by foley work, I mean actual sounds of actual things, which is <laughs> not what foley is. So, uh, yeah, you said uh, so. You said that you you know people are saying that you're faster, but you don't feel faster. But oh, I think- well, I'm I'm objectively not faster well <laughs> but anyway i mean maybe maybe you are and it's hard to tell uh yeah that's true i mean because the last time i was quote unquote fast i was a cat three and i'm not yeah. now 
Yeah. Um, and it always but... it always really it feels jarring, even when you know that you're on a generally upward trajectory, to be in a much harder field and feel like a worse bike racer. It's it's all very confused. <laughs> yeah. Like it confuses the senses. It confuses the emotions. Uh, our listeners may know that that's how I felt for much of this season. That's just mm. that's how it goes, man. That's true. I mean, that's 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 all true. I still think that you know it's weird. Well, there's ways in which I'm faster than I was two years ago, and ways in which I'm not. You know, but partly is that I've been trying to train, uh, and I probably need to stop doing that and just uh, do maintenance stuff and 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 be rested for my races. Yeah. Uh, so I've been coming into races tired, <laughs> and that does slow you down a little bit. <laughs> that'll that'll slow you down. That'll slow you down, but it's also like a a a, a thing that you need to get through. So you know when like. You know, yeah, yeah. you know no, when you know when you hear pros interviewed and they're like, "Yeah, you know, I didn't feel so good on Saturday's race, uh, and I really, really struggled just a whole lot." And then Sunday's race, I just felt great and I smashed it and I won by two minutes. You know, like every now and then, something, yeah. right? And as an amateur, you're like, "How the hell do you feel better the second day after like an hour or more of riding around above your damn threshold?" Uh, but you know, you like. That's that's sort of like an for an amateur, I think an advanced level of fitness when you when you kind of bust through this thing of like feeling better the second day. Well, yeah, yes, and I mean, so I've actually had that experience before. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I haven't in a year or two, uh, but I've, I'm sure I've told the story of the the cross race that I won back in the day. Um, that's a story I enjoy. <laughs> Five years ago now, almost to the day. Uh, but I went out and did uh, a Grand Fondo in Tennessee, mm-hmm. and uh, I was I couldn't even complete the hundred mile distance. I was so I was so cracked. I was so broken. I was like, oh, this sucks. Uh, you know, it was like a real real death march. And then the next day, my team was putting on this cyclocross race, and and I did the Cat Four race, and I was like, oh man, I don't know. Yesterday was bad, but on the other hand, I was like, I don't know. It might not be too bad. I've had some some bad days followed by good days and i went out and i won this cat four cross race <laughs> I, which was the second cross race i'd ever done i have a theory about why why that works sometimes and it's not like an advanced physiological or sports science theory but i yeah. do have a theory and the theory is when you're fresh and you're riding bikes sometimes when you start to ride into that level of it starts to hurt you think uh-oh a change has come upon me mm. it's starting to hurt that sounds like a bad thing. And you back off a little bit. But when you cracked yourself the previous day and you start riding the next day and you think, my legs can move, but everything hurts, then you're just there and you know that everything that you possibly could do with your body is going to hurt. And that's like the mentality that you need to have as a bike racer is everything yeah. I'm going to do has to hurt. I haven't quite gotten my head around though. Sometimes why sometimes like, you know, your your legs hurt and, and and everything hurts, and but you just you're empty, you know, and you can't do anything. And sometimes it hurts, but you're just like, but I'm still pedaling hard. Yeah, like I I haven't quite got my head around how that happens. You know, it's it's ridiculous, right? Because I've been doing this for how long, supposedly, mm-hmm. um, you know, since two thousand eight, and yet I still I still don't know why that happens. Uh, it's weird. And it was definitely of the I'm hurting and not going fast this past weekend. But, you know, that happens. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, fast enough, right? Like, I had a good time. Yeah. Uh, for the most part. So. 
I remember uh, we, I remember what somebody that I know said who, you know, raced a couple seasons doing like the, the UCI stuff in New England. He was just like mm. this is several years ago. He was like, I figure that the game is you just kind of ride as well as you can and go as fast as you can until Tim Johnson passes you at a million miles an hour. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's 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 more or less what happened. We could talk about that. Maybe maybe we can come back to that. I don't know. Um, Let's yeah, we can we can come back to that. Do you think that we should remind our listeners what they clicked on? Uh, we probably should. We probably should in case the uh, the kind of title viewport or whatever of the fancy stereo system that you're no doubt listening to this on <laughs> your uh, Hi-Fi. <laughs> yeah right exactly you know like the little like uh that fancy digital led um what's the name of like the base unit that everything attaches to um <laughs> the but, thing with the you know, like eq animation well the eq animation but or it has like a little digital display just giving like you know the track number or whatever in, yeah you know, six, char- in, in six case... characters scrolling back and forth right exactly it's it's kind of a scrolling digital display yeah. so it, i i understand that um, the name of this podcast is a little long, so it probably it probably goes like H O N E S, and you're like, and then and then a dash to show that it's out of space. <laughs> so you might you might be wondering what we're what you're listening to. Uh, well, it's the honest vivid. bicycle program. It's the honest bicycle program. I you know I have fond memories of uh, my dad, you know, being a child of the the sixties. Uh-huh. You know. And, and having been a young adult in the 70s, of course, an important part of his life was having a sweet, uh, well, still is. I mean, he's still alive, yay. Mm-hmm. Uh, was was having a sweet uh, stereo system with, you know, you've got, like, the main unit that has, like, a radio and, like, an amp in it and, uh, like, probably a tape deck uh, and, like, a bunch of places where you can plug in various kinds of audio wires. And then you hook up, you know, like, a fancy CD player to that or... Um, you know, various things, right, of that nature, or or maybe even a uh, uh, what's the name of it? They put they play those discs things, the really big ones that have grooves in them. Laser, record, uh, yeah, laser disc, record player, yeah. turntable, turntable. Oh, <laughs> laser disc, yeah, that too, that too. But anyway, uh, I you know that was definitely a fixture of, of my childhood home was my dad's stereo setup. Yeah, likewise, uh, and I. Yeah, do not have such a thing. Although, Greg, the, so. the, the correct answer to the Laserdisc crack is, Laserdisc, what am I, a hungover science teacher in 1997? <laughs> That's uh, eerily accurate. <laughs> <laughs> if there are any listeners among our audience who were hungover science teachers in 1997, we want to hear from you about how, why, how and why Laserdiscs existed for that one year... And that one target audience. Well, but you know what was weird about it is laser discs were outmoded then. Uh, they were they were the eighties, right? They were like the early eighties. Were they? And laser discs came. Yeah. So yeah, I, I basically 80s. remember them as being essentially like DVDs, <laughs> which I didn't know yet because DVDs didn't exist yet, right? Except they were much larger and much more like frustrating and less functional. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Uh, wow. I mean, I guess that they're... Oh, here we go, Laserdisc. See, I'm on I'm on Wikipedia, which has, contains all the information. It's never wrong. Uh, it was initially licensed, sold, and marketed as MCA DiscoVision Disco in Vision. North America. And guess what? Guess what year, given given the name DiscoVision? I'm going to guess that, uh, 1978. <laughs> you nailed it. Oh, shit. Or did you look at the page? <laughs> wow. 
Good job. Nice. Good job. I'm, that's, uh, wow. Yeah. Anyway, it's more of an 80s product is what I'm trying to say. Fascinating. And schools bought uh, themselves a bunch of uh, high-tech, uh, you know, AV stuff that in the 80s that they then hung on to forever. Damn. And that's why, and that's why in our science classes for me in middle school and probably you in, in, in early in high school in the late 90s, we're watching Volcano uh, films. <laughs> On Laserdisc. <laughs> we might have seen, for all I know, the same volcano science film. Probably. It's probably happened. <laughs> what, what is this podcast about? <laughs> I don't even understand what we're doing anymore. <laughs> apparently, apparently it's about uh, the uh, audio video technology of uh, our parents. I, I I'll say I'll say <laughs> this about cycling is that this year, something about this year, my helmets have smelled terrible this year. Oh man! And I it's think all that head cheese. It's yeah. Well, I think it's also because like <laughs> racing the, the way this year that I raced at the track is. You know, when my race was done, I would pack up and like shove everything into my bag because I had to walk like back through the velodrome and through the seating area and through the parking lot to the car. And it was like a bunch, you know, to have a, a backpack full of stuff and a bike in one hand and rollers in the other hand. And so I would kind of like change in a hurry and jam stuff into my bag and then, you know, drive home and get home real late at night and just kind of like dump the bag in the corner and take care of it tomorrow. Um, uh, yeah. So that definitely uh, okay. left... I think we've solved the mystery of the stinky helmet. Well, but what I couldn't solve was how to... Like, in the past, when I've had helmets approaching stinkiness, I just usually let them dry in the sun, and sunlight, being the best disinfectant, usually took care of it. But what it also would do is often, you know, the, the heat and the direct light would cause the plastic to, like, de... Uh, stick from the styrofoam de- part. De- delaminate, I think, is what the word you're looking de- for. Laminate. Also, sunlight... Sun sunlight is the thing that destroys EPS foam, mm. which is what your helmet. Yeah, is made so of. so not an ideal so, way. So, uh, yeah, I don't really recommend that yeah. uh, that method. But like, I would I would like you know wash them with dish soap and Dr. Bronner's, and I like Febreze it, and like kind of nothing was working until I started. <laughs> you gotta get Lysol spray. You know, you gotta get or whatever it is that they have at like a bowling alley. <laughs> You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like bowling alley shoe disinfectant. Well well, so two things I found recently that started to work was one, these like they they might even be Lysol and they might be some similar like kitchen brand like wet wipes that you know, they they come in a little tub and you pull one out at a time and they're wet and they're great for scrubbing down the stove. Top. Like baby wipes. Well yeah, sort of. Yeah, but they're specifically like Oh, or like cat's tongue towels, remember them? Yeah, well they're 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 similar. But they, you know, they're they're your like all-purpose kitchen and bathroom single-use wipes. But, you know, they're they're disinfectant. They're just like killing that bacteria. And those did a pretty good job. Uh and I finished it off with a nice uh spray of white vinegar, which now leaves me uh smelling a little bit like salad dressing. So Yeah, a little 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 stringent. I think it's a I think it's a win-win. But you know what? You're Italian, so... Hey! So I just wipe it down with <laughs> olive oil. It's all good. Well, you know, vinegar, just vinegar in there, too. Just make sure it's balsamic. <laughs> nice uh, <laughs> balsamic vinegar. vinegar from Modena. It's, mm, oh, it's a nice 12-year uh, balsamic vinegar. You can't I, go wrong. It's delicious. No, no, Put I think balsamic peaches. vinegar. Mm. I think the real... 
I think the real deal has to be 25 years old, doesn't it? Whoa, that is some old balsamic. That's some, it's, it's pretty musty, yeah. I think, by then. And yeah, that's what people, that's what, that's what they say is good about balsamic vinegar is the mustiness. The mustiness. Yeah, I don't have, I don't have the stinky helmet problem so much. I do have a stinky shoe problem. Hmm. I think that's pretty normal. I don't have an issue with I have my to shoes, say. yeah. But I, I, I have taken some steps to, to deal with this. I think I've mentioned that I have a shoe dryer now that was a Christmas gift last year. That was pretty, that's pretty key. Um, and uh, honestly, my, my thing I've been trying to do is I don't have to like do the laundry necessarily, you know, but, but when I get home from a race, I get my damp clothes out of the race bag <laughs> like my sweaty gross shit out of the race bag because otherwise like it's going to get gross and yeah. and yeah and that's a problem and, and i've i've been i don't know i've i've embarked on a whole sort of self-improvement project this fall i'm trying to do everything better i'm trying to sleep better i'm trying to like scoop the litter box you know uh for the cat i'm trying to uh you wouldn't you wouldn't know about that you don't like cats um <laughs> I'm, try, I'm trying to trying to get the the sweaty disgusting dirty uh cyclocross laundry out of my bag before i go to bed even if i'm even if i'm smoked yeah which I usually usually am. All right, so that's I guess I guess that's some solid advice for people if if they want that. I had I had, I'll tell you this I'll tell you this I had tried uh, putting my helmet in the freezer. Uh huh. Yeah. And that, and uh, I know that you're like a science person, so you'll chuckle at this. But I figured you know there's like you sometimes read these internet articles about like hey like do your jeans start to smell bad but you don't really feel like washing them because there's some special type Mm -hmm. of denim we'll just put them in the freezer overnight and then they won't smell bad anymore and i've done that with pants before not particularly fancy ones but when i'm like i don't feel like doing the laundry but uh jeans are starting to smell sweaty uh and that works so that's cool um yeah and i i i tried that and i mentioned it to someone and he was like yeah, uh, freezing is just how we preserve our bacteria samples in science. So mm-hmm. that definitely doesn't work for your helmet to kill the bacteria. Yeah, that's yeah. It doesn't it doesn't <laughs> kill it for the most part. It uh, yeah. <laughs> Bad news. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the, certainly many of the stink causing ones they'll 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 go dormant. It helps. Oh yeah, I, I mean they, they it, stop they helps. stop acutely smelling uh, until they warm up again. Then they people are. Yeah, exactly. People are uh, wildly optimistic about the bacteria killing effects of cold, but if you think about it, if back if if the cold like outright killed all the bacteria, um, the parts all the temperate parts of the world wouldn't have bacteria during the summer. Yeah, and they do. So <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, they thought evolution thought of that one, guys. Nice try. Uh, all right, so so we should move on down down this list because you had another question for me because uh, I actually did my homework. I, so I, I really want to make sure we get to this. Did you see the video that was making the rounds about a week or so ago of Danny McCaskill testing some Santa Cruz wheels? Yes, I did. Oh, you did? I did. I watched it. I watched it just before we did this recording. How? As a matter of fact. I, so I'm not like all like super crazy about the latest trick video and this and that but there, i i take like a, a a surprising amount of glee in this particular video and i'm not sure why except he's like let me let me session some stuff until i finally break these wheels and yeah, it's really yeah. satisfying because it 
it's hard and he keeps on doing like progressively crazy stuff not like progressively crazy tricks but progressively aggressive ways of breaking bike parts yeah oh yeah yeah and he's really trying to break them so this is i enjoyed it this is this is sort of a thing that santa cruz is known to do is subject carbon things to heinous abuses to demonstrate that they are at least that they are carbon things are very durable right because there's been video of them taking their various frames like mountain bike frames and and like trying to break them and showing how hard it is to do it mm-hmm. so this is kind of it of that genre uh but yeah it's a lot of fun you know what's weird is actually the thing i was thinking was that when i've seen danny mccaskill videos uh usually i don't see him talking or hear him talking i should say so I was like, oh, yeah, I knew he was, like, super Scottish, but I hadn't actually heard him talk. And he's all super Scottish. <laughs> he is extremely uh, Scottish. He is so he's so Scottish. But anyway, yeah, he's, like, riding this bike. He's doing, like, you know, jumping off of tall things and smashing the rim into and, concrete. And, like, while like having... letting the air out of the tires. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Letting the air out of the tires. Eventually he gets a flat tire and takes the tire off and is just, like, riding down the stairs. Which, by the way, that looked, like, easily the most dangerous thing he did in the entire uh <laughs> worth, the, worth the entire video. Yeah, well, worth noting that he's not just riding down the stairs; he's also riding up them with no tire. On. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's pretty good at bicycles. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was pretty cool, and I think it's I think it's interesting that um, I mean, yeah, that's a Santa Cruz thing, and they're like, even even in the service of showing how hard it it, it is to break their stuff, it's interesting that they're willing to show their stuff getting broken on camera, right? Right, but they they show all these things that don't break their stuff, <coughs> right? I, I agree that it is interesting that they're like, yep, then let's film a video until our stuff breaks, but so much happens before it breaks. And he has to, yeah, and it's like, are you ever going to ride down a set of stairs with literally no tire on your rim repeatedly until, yeah, like, no. <laughs> So it, it's not as though uh, uh, it's making them look bad. But nonetheless, I, I think a lot of companies are like, yeah, no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nope. Not good. So that was that was pretty cool. All right. Um, so go check out that video. It's it's neat. Check out the various Danny McCaskill videos because they're fun. Uh, they're Yeah, they're a lot of fun. He's, he's ridiculously good at doing flips and stuff and then there's outtakes where you get to see him like miss the tricks and and crash which as it turns out apparently part of being a really good uh, trials rider making trials rider making cool videos is that you do you do crash i figure yeah you and so. you, you got to know how to crash well right like that's the difference between like a good trials rider and somebody with an instagram account you know is that a good trials rider knows how to crash without hurting themselves presumably i i I have some skepticism about the whole (laughs) crashing well thing but that's that's a that's another tale for another time or Or is it another another... tale for another time or is it a segue into what you did on your weekend oh all right well sure (laughs) why not (laughs) i guess we can talk about this (laughs) i'm looking at our little our little show our our little uh, collection of notes and uh, i see you wrote a line that says your first uci crashed out <laughs> so <laughs> I, mean, I guess that's what i guess that's what we're talking I about i want to hear about it okay okay so um this past weekend we were talking about this earlier a little bit 
I did a little bicycle race that you may or may not have heard of called the Grand Prix of Gloucester. It's a big old cyclocross race. The New England, uh, you know, championships is not officially world champion. New England World Championships. There we go. That's not, that's an unofficial title. But it's the biggest cyclocross race in uh, New England. It's actually the biggest bike race of any kind in New England. Mm. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Mr. Uh, Colin Reuter um, can probably confirm that. Um, but yeah, big old bicycle race, two days. And for the first time ever, uh, I was racing in the UCI Elite category on both days because I'm a cat too. And if I want to race the Gloucester, I got to race the UCI Elites, which means I was, well, there are scare quotes here, but I was racing against people like Jeremy Powers and Tobin Norton Blad and uh uh you know Spencer Petrov just all that that crew that crew so you know I was like hey what's up dudes hi how you doing <laughs> no Jeremy said hi it was cool hey Jeremy what's up uh good job good job out there uh so anyway I was in the race and my legs weren't great, but I was riding along. I was like, wow, this is cool. This is a lot of fun. This is exciting. And everything was going fine. And, you know, I, I think I was doing respectably. Like, I was, you know, I was in the bottom 50%, but it's a UCI race. It's it's like you said, you know, we're, um, it, it, it's just like a whole different level than you normally compete at. And because of that, it was actually really nice because I lined up and you'd think, man, my first UCI race, like, I'm in the same race with Powers, you know, and, and Orton Bladden, and it's, like, ridiculous. It's ridiculous that I'm on the same start line as them. Like, that's just absurd. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. You know, I don't belong here. And yet, I was not worried about it. I was just like, whatever, it's a bike race. And, and it's because I, there's, you know, there's no pressure in that situation. Like, we all know that I am not going to win, that I'm not going to get a result, that, that I will be, it, it will be a crowning achievement of my cyclocross career to finish Gloucester on the lead lap. Mm-hmm. You know, to finish like somewhere in the 30s and, and not get pulled. Yeah. That'll be great if I'm able to pull that off someday. That didn't happen on Saturday. <laughs> uh, things were going fine. You know, I was, I was doing, I was doing fine, right? I was, pro- I don't know, somewhere in the 30s, I presume. Uh, maybe maybe around 40th who knows but uh, i wasn't doing anything stupid i was riding smoothly it was great and i came into a dismount uh like an off-camber dismount for some things and and my wheel just went into a hole and i just tanked it and and just at one mile per hour just like fell onto my shoulder was it Um, no i saw some video of like a pretty fast right hand turn to like two stairs so so and, uh, and and I saw a couple people like bobble it on the recaps because like you're leaning the bike over to the right to make this turn and then immediately you're trying to dismount onto your left and it's just a it's an awkward situation. It's you know it's not actually that awkward. Mm-hmm. So so the situation is essentially that there's a set of um, these off camber chicanes you could call them where you kind of go down this slope this very dusty slope uh, above the ball field that they have there. And, and you do essentially kind of a big sweeping 180, uh, and you go up, and then you go down and do another big sweeping 180, and at the second 180 on the upswing, instead of just riding back up, there's a set of steps. Mm-hmm. And so you, you pretty much have to dismount and, uh, and run them. And the thing about the soil 
in it stage four park is that it's it's not very uh it's not that dense you know it doesn't have a lot of structural stability um and so yeah calling it soil seems generous um yeah yeah it's pretty generous to call it soil and and so it tends to you get some holes and ruts pretty quickly and i just put you know it's fine unless you kind of put your wheel wrong in a rut and then you're not sort of balanced right and and then you fall over Mm um so you know and i wasn't even doing anything stupid i was just trying to dismount my bike and and um just like crap happens and i fell over and it was it was awkward what was awkward was i hit the ground and i was like ow and i roll over to my back to start getting up and my my right hamstring immediately cramps up because i've been pedaling hard so i said ah i just straighten my leg out and then i go and then i go to sit up and and then like my abs cramped up (laughs) so i was like ah and so i'm like lying there on the ground like you know where you're like trying to extend your leg as hard as possible so that like you'll stop cramping like in your hamstring or whatever mm-hmm. like you're, you're basically trying to, to the opposite of contract the muscle um, yeah <laughs> and, and to, to, to keep it from getting worse and and this is the same thing i'm doing with like my stomach because i'm like <laughs> and then you know so so that kind of gets me in uh, uh that if i just like hopped back up maybe i wouldn't have noticed that that um, I'd hit my shoulder fairly hard and it was it was hurting. But I got back on and I got on my bike uh, eventually and everyone was like, woo, because it's near the beer garden. And they were like, come on, come on, you can do it, you're fine. Blah, blah. I'm sitting there like, ow, ow. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm covered in dust and I hate everything. <laughs> and I got on my bike and I start going and I'm like, oh, pulling on my handlebars doesn't feel good with my left arm and is that the one that you broke your collarbone on a yeah i broke my collarbone on that side yeah yeah that I've, I've broken that collarbone twice now eh. and um yeah so it's the one that i've broken um a few times a couple times and and so it really got in my head because i was like it feels bad it hurts i don't know if i've broken something probably not but it was it basically it freaked me out and my heart wasn't in in it anymore, and so I, I basically abandoned the race at that point and went to see the EMTs and um, the sports medicine guy, um, which was a bummer. It was a bummer that the, my my first UCI race was also my first UCI DNF uh, with a crash out. Um, so yeah, that's what happened. But um, the good news is I'm fine. Uh, it's a little sore. I did bruise myself, but I didn't even do, I didn't even like strain it or anything really, as far as I can tell. Um, it'll probably take a few days to get back to normal, but it will get back to normal and I'll be fine. That's... And I, ra- I raced the next day. Yeah. I raced the next day and it was fine. So that's good. So yeah, so... I, had, I had seen somebody saying, hey, you know, I, I, I saw the results and I saw that you DNF'd and I was like, oh, Greg wasn't pulled, he DNF'd, I wonder what happened. And then I saw someone tweet you know, hey, who's the guy on uh, B2C2 who crashed and seemed like he was in bad oh, shape? Yeah. And I was like, oh, no. And you were like, that was me. I'm I'm good. Thanks, everyone. But I'm planning to race the crap out of my bike tomorrow. And I was like, oh, phew. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yes, thank you, everyone, for your concern. I, I mean, I mean that uh, very sincerely. Everyone, it was, people were so so nice to me and, and really, like, helped me find the, uh, the medical personnel and... and you know, were repeatedly asking me if, you know, they, I needed them to take my bike or anything. Um, and it was great. Um, 
and and yeah uh so it was all it was all it all worked out just fine i got some ice on my shoulder you know i drove home i stopped and got some vietnamese food you know it was fine nice uh, i went back the next i went back the next day and uh and raced again and this time i finished finished in the sense that i got lapped by uh jeremy and tobin uh a bit before three to go <laughs> uh and and was subsequently pulled but um it was good it was a lot of fun and and the funny thing was once once i knew that i was going to be okay like i hadn't broken or even seriously sprained or strained anything i was actually i was actually just perfectly happy with life mm-hmm. i was like all right like i was unfortunate um but you know it's Gloucester. uh it's exciting uh to do the race and things were going well uh i've got you know my war stories of you know beating the start and i was right next to colin when he hit a gigantic hole and shot about like three or four feet to the right (laughs) but but because it's the elite race and people can ride their bikes like it was fine like it was it was just such a great and fun experience and it was it was honestly my favorite gloucester i've done nice nice yeah, I mean, I, I, when you're I can say that. when you're good enough to race the UCI race, the type of racing it is uh, obviously changes a whole bunch, and uh, mm. that's super cool. Yeah, it was really educational. The the, the kind of most I'll say about that because um, there's I, I could drone for a while um, based on my extremely extensive experience of uh, you know having done. Uh, I guess nine laps total of UCI racing, <laughs> <laughs> uh, about about what it's like. But the the main thing that I got, especially from from the Sunday race, was just that, especially at Gloucester, that you need to kill yourself to make your group in the first couple laps. Like, and and I was tired and and kind of didn't commit hard enough to that, and, and made a couple bobbles too, which didn't help, but. At Gloucester, with the wind coming off the ocean and like the pedally sections and all that, once you get gapped, you know if you're if you're not on that group, uh, you're screwed. Mm-hmm. And I probably could have hung out on the back of, you know, the uh, a, a kind of there was a big group of uh, fellow scrubs that formed, and I don't know that I could have ridden with them the whole time, but uh, I probably would have lasted a little longer uh, rather than being mostly in a small group and then ultimately by myself. <laughs> which was which is not good for going fast <laughs> uh so yeah it's a very different it's a very different way to race your bike you know especially since the goal is completely completely different from you know when you're at the pointy end of a cat three race yeah so so yeah but so are you all, are you looking times are you looking forward to your next one then mm-hmm excellent yeah definitely well the next one is northampton um a race that you and i both know well indeed and love and one that uh, one that I stand actually, I would say a, a reasonably good chance of of finishing without getting pulled. There's a lot more pedaling at Northampton than at uh, Gloucester, I assume. Uh that is that is that is not correct. Really? No, huh. no. Northampton has. So uh, yeah, sorry for the going deep on New England uh, cyclocross courses. <laughs> Northampton does have its pedaling sections. It's true. But it's broken up by uh, significant technical elements, mm-hmm. um, mm. and and that pedaling—it's—it's it's, you know, 
it's true that there's a lot of pedaling in Northampton and that it can be heavy. That grass can be pretty heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Gloucester is very hard. There's there's more... It's not that there's a ton of climbing at Gloucester, but there is some, and you go up and over these hills repeatedly. And, and you also have to deal with the wind in a way that you often don't mm. at Northampton, even though you're in a big field. Uh-huh. Uh, it's it's just gotcha. It's it's hard to it's hard to understand why, but it's a it's a much more it, it's it tends to be less concentrated in big huge chunks. Like it tends to be pedal hard, but you only do it for a little bit, and then you go through some turns, and then pedal hard, and then go through some turns. Whereas a Gloucester, when you're pedaling hard, you are doing it the entire time. God, that's awful. I've so yeah. Gloucester is a notoriously hard course. Like, it is very, very friendly to... It's a power course. Yeah. It is definitely a power course. Mm-hmm. It's not an easy... I think sometimes people forget and say, like, oh, Gloucester's not, you know, really a technically challenging course. That is... I think that's incorrect. At, at UCI speeds, it's pretty technically <laughs> challenging because it's loose. I also, but. like, don't uh, listen to what people say when they say things are technically challenging unless they... Uh, say what they mean because sometimes by technically challenging people are talking about like coasting kind of slowly but turning their bike well and i've also seen technically challenging uh rides when people are pedaling really really fast and really hard and turning their bike well and Mm -hmm. those are those are very different types of courses or course features yeah i mean i mean honestly for the most part uh, I think we've discussed this, but I wouldn't consider slow turns on grass, for example, to generally be technically challenging. Right. Like, that's just a slow turn on grass. It's fine. Like, they have their place. Um, but, of course, having a lot of slow turns on grass is not a technical course. It's just slow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whereas Gloucester has a lot of sweepers, especially these days. I don't know what it was like back in the day, you know. I didn't race it in those days. But Gloucester tends to have... High speed, uh, loose, like off camber, like the off camber, the famous high speed off camber sweeper into the stairs, um, which is which is really pretty challenging, uh, or at least scary. You know, uh, it, it's got those off cambers that I mentioned. Um, it's very very easy when you're going as fast as you have to ride there to wash out. Like I, I would say that it is in fact a technically challenging course because you really have to trust. <laughs> uh, in your ability and in your tires to kind of keep you on the right line. Whereas, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's and it's a different kind of technical from a course like Northampton, where you generally aren't too limited by grip, except maybe in like the Lomi Woods bit. Um, do you know what I mean? Uh, so, yeah, yeah, the Lonely Woods bit. Yeah, where whereas Northampton is 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 technical in the sense that. You're really trying to maximize your exit speed out of turns, uh, for the most part, as opposed to kind of clinging to whatever grip you can find at a million miles per hour on dust. There are many different kinds of technical. Yeah. Who knew? There's different kinds of technical. Who knew? All right. So, um, why don't you tell me a story now? Because I've I've just told you a big long story, but why don't you why don't you tell me a story? I will I will tell you a story. I uh have told our listeners in the past about racing against a guy named dan casper who is uh a really excellent bike racer a really excellent guy he is a many time 
Masters World Champion and World Record Holder. Uh, and the Masters World Championships uh, track World Championships were in Los Angeles or Carson, California this past weekend in the country's only indoor velodrome. Eh, mm. one of two. One of them has a, well, is a bubble. It's, uh, it's yeah, a combination indoor-outdoor. Anyway, yeah. yeah. So I, I'm a big fan of my pal Dan Casper, uh, who still lives in Minnesota, and who, um, racing against him, I learned a lot about bike racing. Uh, the two of us went head-to-head many, many, many times, and I uh, went past what I thought were my limits in order to race against him, right? So this there's a special place in my heart for him. Yeah, yeah. So I was uh, I was watching the live stream of the Track Cycling Masters World Championships. There was a live stream, which was very cool um, for many, many days of it. Uh, and I was watching his uh, individual pursuit. So in his age category, which is 50 to 54, um, the individual pursuit is only two kilometers compared to four kilometers for elites, elite men, three kilometers for elite women, and it just kind of like cascades down in distance um, as you increase in age category. And the way that a, a pursuit competition works is that uh, everybody rides a qualifying time, and then the top two people ride for the gold medal, and the third and fourth uh, people in the qualifiers ride for the bronze medal. Yeah. Um, so he had set the second fastest qualifying time and was a little over a second slower than the other guy. Um, and Heidi and I sort of just caught their uh, their their ride off for the gold medal right before we went to bed. And um, you know, in, in a pursuit final, uh, riders start on opposite ends of the track, and it's whoever sets the fastest time or whoever catches the other person. Um, but you've got two people going head to head, and while you'd think that time trials are generally uh, a sort of individual experience, um, there have been legit scientific studies. Uh, of pursuits and the psychological effect of riding against somebody else who's riding to a different schedule. Mm-hmm. So you can try and break somebody by going out a little bit hot, trying to force them to match and see if they crack before you do. Yeah. And so what happened in this race was uh, the uh, the other guy, this Danish guy named Jesper Offersgaard, I believe, Went out pretty hot, had, you know, they show the splits every half a lap, and they show the, the time differences on the screen. And after the, the first lap, he's got, oh, half a second advantage, and he just keeps on building it through the first kilometer until he's up 2.8 seconds in the first kilometer. I mean, he is flying. And that's that's a lot. That's a lot. That's, yeah, that's a lot. You know, figure this first kilometer takes about a minute and 10 seconds or a minute and 12 seconds. That's... That's a fair bundle, and that's, uh, you know, a little bit less than half of the distance that you need to get in order to catch somebody in a pursuit uh, at those speeds. And at that point, I'm just thinking, oh, man, well, Dan's got a silver medal. But really, right there at the halfway point in the pursuit, at 2.8-something seconds, that's where that gap peaks, and Dan just starts to pull it back. And he doesn't have a lot of time left. He's got four laps in which to do it. One kilometer 
in which to gain these three seconds back. And he just starts grabbing it back. It's like every half lap split, he's got a couple more tenths. And in this minute winding down, Heidi and I next to each other on the couch are like grabbing each other's arms and like sitting up higher on our seats. And we're starting to yell, dude, come on, Dan, you can do it. Come on, Casper, come on. (laughs) And with half a lap to go, he's still behind by uh, like somewhere between one and two tenths of a second. But he's pulling all this time back super steadily and so for those last you know six or seven seconds or whatever we're just like come on you just got it and then he crosses the line with like a half a second lead to win oh my god and it was so awesome it was so awesome that i had to figure out how awesome it was Mm -hmm. um so uh, because this is the way that I enjoy interacting with information. You know, these these splits from the, the timing strips that are laid across the track at the uh, the halfway distance, or the sort of each halfway distance across the track, uh, those are taking each rider's um, half-lap splits. So you've got uh, mm-hmm. the time at which they cross uh, every 125 meters, and those are put up on the screen. It shows, you know, who's ahead and who's behind. Um, and so I, I rewatched that the next morning and I grabbed those time splits and I, and I graphed them and I tweeted them, uh, I I graphed them in a couple different ways just to see like what this pursuit looked like. And when I graphed the time difference, you know, I can see Offersguard just jumping out into this perfect like bell curve as he builds his advantage and then loses it. Until, really, with no time left to spare, Casper reclaims the advantage. And so, so graphing those uh, time differences was really cool. And I also graphed uh, the, the splits. And you can see that, you know, this other guy just goes out super hot. He's riding some really fast splits. Uh, these, you know, the, the half-lap splits that just, once he gets them down, they immediately start to creep up. And Casper, on the other hand, just rides so 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 steadily and by steadily i'm talking about his half laps every 125 meters doesn't vary by more than like two tenths of a second so he just rode his pace like all along the dude's got a metronome for a heart (laughs) nice that's cool and i i love i really enjoyed uh, watching it, of course, because, you know, my uh, friend slash rival um, had his great victory. But I also loved the fact that these data are available on the screen and on the broadcast. And I know that there is a little bit more that can be done to tell the story of what's happening with these available data. Um And I think, you know, there are probably more people who are familiar with watching, like, a road time trial where you get, like, four splits in maybe a 30-kilometer time trial. You know, figure some stage of the Tour de France or something, right? They've got the, like, maybe you've got, like, a 35-kilometer. usually get two intermediate time points Mm -hmm. and um, the finish. And that's not much. No. Especially if there's any terrain in there, you can't extrapolate, like, average speeds or anything, right? You got... There's just there's not much you can do with that, um, 
But on the track, in track time trials, in the individual pursuit and in the team pursuit, you've got time splits every 125 meters. And you can really tell the story of, of what's happening and where it's happening uh, in a way that I think is really exciting. So I had also like written up a while back uh, a, a blog post on Medium where I sort of proposed another way to like visualize the data in uh, a really exciting team pursuit when the um, United States won the world championships last spring. They were riding against Australia and had traded the lead uh, like four or five or six times over the course mm-hmm. of the race. And, you know, you see the, you see the splits, but... When you see like one data point at a time, it doesn't. Your brain doesn't necessarily remember the whole story. But if you see things like cumul- cumulatively, right, and you get mm-hmm. this uh, this longitudinal look at things, then all of a sudden a more uh, a more impressive story emerges. And I think it's a, a better way to describe what's happening in a bike race because that's always a challenge. I think that uh, yeah. that not all bike racing broadcasters figured out how to solve. No. No, it's true, and and you know, uh, track is maybe more. Um, I'm not sure. What, it, it, there's it, there's more opportunities to do that kind of work in track cycling. Yeah, because you have you know fixed points and, and regular time and intervals and all that. But you know, we could probably do better on the road as well. Well, I had an interesting like, com- I had an interesting conversation with somebody who is working on uh, domestic internet bike racing broadcasts. Who said, you know, mm-hmm. who who said on Twitter, I be- I believe that there is a way that we can use data to tell a story. And I messaged him and I was like, this is what I do for a living, and I know bikes. Like, please let me weigh in. I'd ha- I'd love to help. Um, mm-hmm. And I hope that that conversation continues at some point because that would be super cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I hope so too. I hope so too. I think that, you know, there's not just you too. Like there are people out there who have the combination of bike knowledge and, and data knowledge. Um, like we can, we can do this. We can do it. We can do this. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think it'd be great to see more of that. It's definitely, you know, it is tough in the domestic racing world. Um, We have a hard enough time just streaming races. Uh, I mean, you know, I remember the heady days of Behind the Barriers TV where we were, you know, streaming cyclocross races and and having recaps and it just... um, it turned out it was it was you know it's it was too expensive it's still too expensive mm-hmm. it's 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 harder now you know four years ago you had a stream of the big uh uci cyclocross races in the united states and you just don't um, now which is which is honestly fine i mean it really is hard to do uh and and probably impossible to do while making money but um but yeah so so on the one hand, boy, it is very, very hard. But um, we do have we do have the tools we need, and and they have they're they're doing this huge thing over the last few years in the Tour de France with dimension data, with sticking those weird little black you know dingles under the saddles yeah. of the bike riders, and you know 
I have to wonder who's doing this because they're using it to be like, oh, well, they're going uh, 90 kilometers per hour right now. And it's like, okay, um, that's cool. You probably have more information than that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or at least more informative information. You know, or you could at least show the difference. And they have done, like, showed the difference in speed between, um, say, a breakaway rider that's solo up the road and the chasing group. But but even that is is kind of... Uh, there, there are problems with that too, right? Because maybe the breakaway rider is on this hill, right? And and the the chasers haven't gotten there yet, you know. So it's it, it's very very difficult to just say, well, hey, we've got speed data. Let's just put real time speed data on the screen on the screen, and it's like eh, it doesn't really work that way. Yeah. Um, but I'm, you know, hopefully, hopefully that will continue advancing either both at you know these super big budget events and and at your kind of more. Small scale things like Masters Worlds, which are, uh, you know, certainly important, but not <laughs> certainly not the Tour de France. Right. Yeah. The trick is contextualizing the data, you know, uh, mm. and and whether you use more data to provide that context or something else. Um, really, really, that's how you tell a story. And your your point is perfect about like the relative speeds, you know one you know the breakaway being on a hill and the group behind being on a descent like just telling you know giving these single point uh data points is not informative unless there's a little bit more going on yeah yeah for sure and yeah and this is of course part of why you know time gaps has been the preferred standard for so long i mean partly that was also because that was all all that we had right but it turns out that time is an extremely good way of understanding how far apart uh, groups are on on the road. Yeah, it, it so magically it magically takes into account the speed of both groups. Yes, yes. Somehow, somehow it happens that way, and the distance between them, <laughs> almost as though these three uh, uh, things are related in some way. <laughs> um, but you know, there are probably ways in which you can play with sort of the I'm not sure what the word I'm looking for is, but but almost like the derivatives, you know, underlying the time gaps and whatever. What's what's the rate of change of this time gap? What's yeah, um, you know, how quickly is the time gap gap growing, or is it holding steady, or you know, and you you can kind of track that even in slightly more real time than you can um, by you know watching the gap grow or shrink. Mm-hmm. Uh, but hey, you know, sometimes we have a world championships and you lose footage for the last four kilometers. <laughs> I mean, like, it's no one's saying it's easy. Yeah. All right. So I had I had a question for you. Well, and, and I guess it's a question for both of us, but but I'll start by by asking you. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is this is a segue, everyone. So uh, <laughs> and maybe it seems a little out of the blue. But um, this is something I've been thinking about lately as I, you know, have mentioned I've been on a bit of a, a self-improvement program mm-hmm. <laughs> this fall and, and really trying to uh, change my approach to kind of training and racing both to take more seriously the things that, that I kind of need to get better but also to have maybe a better attitude about it and that's just very simply what in your cycling or in your bike racing life makes you 
happy or what would make you happy right like what where is what would make you be satisfied with your racing and your riding i think that gets at like dangerous and terrifying questions about what (laughs) satisfies me in general (laughs) and i've been watching a lot of bojack horseman lately (laughs) (laughs) sure um but but i think what would make me really happy and really satisfied is to not have conflict or competition in in parts of my life that that also butt up against bike racing. I mean, I want bike racing competition. Um, but I don't like having to choose uh, between going for a training ride or going grocery shopping. And I don't mm. really like having to choose between um, training and being well rested and getting to work on time. Um, right. And I know that this is like a total pipe dream, but like what, what I would... <laughs> What I would really, really love would be to, like, work for some number of hours that is, like, less than eight and then go for a ride and then come back and, like, walk to, you know, the fresh market on the hypothetical or fictional fresh food market uh, around the corner from me. Um and buy stuff to make for dinner that night and have it ready by the time my sweetheart comes home. Like that to me is like a, a well-balanced, uh, a, a well-balanced life at the pace that I want to live it at, you know, not one where I have to like rush home in time to change and get on my bike in time to get the last little shred of sunlight and get home mm. and like shower and think like shit i like need to eat food now otherwise i'm gonna die uh it's and it's late you know yeah i hate that um, okay that feeling of the scarcity of time yeah, yeah. am i getting oh, like sure. a little bit like deeper into the question than you intended to ask well well here's okay or was y- yes or, yes and I, no sorry yes and no. Uh, uh carbon fiber tubulars without worrying whether or not my tires are gonna flat when i ride that's what'll make me happy <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't quite going for that. I mean, so I, I, I think, I think yes. Um, but I think you were, you were diving deep. Look, this that all sounds very like nice and and like well adjusted mm-hmm. and mentally balanced and all that and like, I don't know, uh, a, a life that is well kind of considered and whatever. But let's get let's get down to brass tacks, right? Like, what what is it in terms of uh, bike racing? Like, what would you consider for, for you to be, like, success as a bike racer? Mm-hmm. I've... This is going to sound like boasting. Mm-hmm. And that's not the intention. I, I think the intention is... Don't worry about how you opposite. sound. All right. I've accomplished... I want to know. I've accomplished a lot more than I ever expected I could. Mm. I... For many years, I thought that, like being a cat three was like the most baller thing I could possibly imagine. Mm. Um, and this year I've raced with some of the best track racers in the world and I've won, you know, uh, elite races at three different velodromes. Right. So yeah, once the, the tricky thing about something like this is that once you, start to reach a level you look beyond it 
and you stop seeing it as an ultimate goal. Or at least I do, and I think that uh, a lot of athletes do, though not all bike racers, right? But you, as you approach the horizon, there starts to be a new horizon. Right. Right. Yeah, I, I've been thinking about this because, um, you know, for so long, um, I've, you, you know, we've been talking, we've been we've been jamming for a while on this mm-hmm. little little podcast we do, and you probably have a pretty good idea of of like what I've I've been shooting for. Like, I want to be I want to be better at bike racing, right? Like, mm-hmm. and 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 that I have, uh, you know, a very real. Like I've had such so much frustration with with you know I'm a competitive person, um, obviously, and I want to be good is like what I thought you know I want to get results I want to win bike races I want to be I want to be good at this I want to be a better bike racer and and this frustration that I I had um, or have the ability to be so much better than I am right this this kind of uh, mediocre cat three on the road, cat two in cross, but the sense that like, man, like I know I can can reach something higher, and just being intensely frustrated with the fact that I can't like get my shit together and do it. Right? Does that sound familiar? Yeah, I mean, from from what I've heard from you over the past few years is like is uh, sort of straining at the leash and that leash being a series of circumstances that have kind of conspired against you, you know, some of them injury related. Yeah. I think some of it's circumstances, you know, I think some of it is, is kind of my own, uh, weaknesses as, as, you know, like, which I don't want to like put as like character flaws. They're just things that, that make it harder for me with my personality to be successful, you know, at, at bike racing than other people, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but but it's been intensely frustrating, right? And, and especially because, like, you know, people who know me, uh, and especially I think people who have a lot of contact with me on the internet might get the feeling, because I know it comes off as me having maybe sometimes, like, you know, small rider big ego, right? Um, <laughs> Uh, I, I think I think people get that impression sometimes. Uh, I, th- I I eventually realized that people weren't getting the little joke of that which is that obviously i'm aware <laughs> that i'm not not the most successful and and accomplished bike racer of all time um you know and, and it's it's like even back in the early episodes of this you know uh of the honest bicycle program when i was explaining like i'm the best bike racer people not quite getting that th- there's a certain tongue-in-cheek aspect to that but but nonetheless that's how it comes across so so first of all to those people i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, at the same time, that attitude is is born out of like a certain a certain frustration of of like like I know I have the ability to go further than I have. So what's so what's wrong? And so and I just like man, like I want to be a good bike racer. I want to win races. I want to be like a good local cross racer and and have people be like, wow, he's a good bike racer. I'm really impressed by his ability to pedal a bike hard and go fast and stuff. And feeling really and feeling really. Um, uh, I'm not sure if the word is ashamed, but like, like I wasn't living up to this standard, you know, and 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 that like, I'm I'm actually a loser because I'm not that good a bike racer, um, and yada yada and all that and 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 so 
I've just been thinking about like, man, like I, I think that like, yeah, of course I want to be better. And of course I want to be faster. And it's not even that I, I, I'm now thinking like, oh, I need to accept what I am and just, you know, I'll always be, you know, kind of a crappy has been or never was or whatever. But, um, but that like, there's a certain amount of needing to let go of the ego part of it mm-hmm. um of oh yeah this is what i want like it's gonna be really important for me to be you know an elite rider it's gonna be really important for me to get my cat too on the road or whatever um because it'll make me feel good about myself it'll make me feel good about myself to win bike races um instead of you know not winning bike races but i look at um I don't know. I I look at my friends who I see having like great success as elite bike racers, and um, you know I think that what I get and, and and this is not a story of how oh actually they are unhappy. That's not the case. But you know I see that there's so much more to them than just being. You know, there's more to them than their results sheet. Just as like there's more to me than my results sheet like and my results sheet is like way less impressive than theirs um there's there's more to them than that um and you know my friends who are slower than me um and like you know i was almost kind of semi-complaining earlier um about people saying you know oh hey wow you're going really fast and me being like huh no um but it is true that i'm faster than a lot of people um, you know, even if I'm not at a point where, where, you know, I'd necessarily, or, or at least I feel like I have room to improve. Right. And I, and I just started to think like, you know, I, I, there's a certain, like, maybe I need to turn this around and not be about like what results I want to get, but just to think about like, what do I want to do? Like, do I want to get better? Do I want to keep getting better? Is it, you know, or do I want to like get results? Mm-hmm. Right. And what does that mean? And like honestly, especially for, for I think you and me, and like you know, you've been I've I've certainly been, uh, really jazzed about your success, and 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 felt a little bit also sometimes like oh man, I'm like the the guy on the podcast who isn't actually the credible bike racer, <laughs> when you are, which is which is so ridiculous because like, you know, I I don't think you see it that way at all, right. Um, but, but just coming around to like, look, like for, for guys like you and me, um, you know, success is caring about our craft as it were and caring about improving ourselves because like, we're not going to be world champion, Mm -hmm. you know, we're not going to be elite world champion. Um, and, and you know, local success is is awesome. Like awesome, like winning elite races in in even you know national you know elite success is is like really great. I think it's really awesome. Like I think it's a great sign of like how far you've come mm-hmm. that you've been able to go to these different velodromes and, and do really well and, and really kind of get yourself up there. But I think that what really I admire is your ability to you know after you know having done this for a while and and kind of been banging your head against the wall for a while is to like just you know keep putting your head down in 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 like how can i get better how can i improve myself as a bike racer 
um, and turn, you know, and, and not even with like the turning that into results, but like really doing the work. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's like, yeah. that's kind of the, that's kind of like how I want to approach it is like at a certain point, even if I, you know, managed to actually turn this, you know, I've got religion about strength training now. It was a real problem. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think more carefully about like my sleep and things like that and, and really like make sure I get restful sleep and enough of it and, and, you know, change my training schedule. But, you know, even if that, like, maybe that will turn into me being, you know, a fast local elite racer. Um, great. That'd be really cool. That would be really exciting. Maybe I'll even win some bike races. I don't know. But, um, if it doesn't, like, I think the important part is, yeah, like, dedication to the craft and, and remembering that my life is bigger than that, too. And it's it's ultimately, you know, I'm going to get, I'm going to ultimately uh, get older and slower. And, like, that's not going to mean that my life is over. <laughs> it's sad. And, yeah, like, I, I think I'm rambling a bit, but... The, the, it's like a conversation that you know has been had so many times about like you know what is important and is winning all the things like the most important thing well no obviously you've got a complete life and we've got jobs and da, 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 but it's 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 weird how it's kind of real to me in a way lately that it hasn't been and that mm-hmm. i'm i'm approaching my season now with like knowing that I wanted to be faster than I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and for various reasons, I mean, you know, like it took a longer time to recover from this hip injury than I expected. And I didn't take, I didn't take it seriously enough in terms of, uh, uh, you know, really putting in the work on doing the physical therapy and, and, and didn't realize that it was still affecting me, things like that. Mm-hmm. But that I'm like, you know what? Okay. Like we're going to work on this and, and, and I'm going to do the best I can. And um, it's going to be Okay. And so I've been racing, and I'm not finishing nearly as high as, as I was two years ago. I'm probably not as fast as I was, um, but you know I'm having a good time. So that's been that's been uh, good. yeah. You know about the about the speed thing and about the sort of like trajectory of improvement thing. Mm-hmm. I think we always hope as as bike racers and as you know people who think about science and the process and everything we always hope we're going to unlock something that's going to make a huge difference um and i hoped that when i started lifting weights and when i got a power meter and when i hired a coach i really expected that you know each of these things um, which all happened you know two years apart more from each other Mm -hmm. more or less Mm -hmm. but every time I, i sort of added one of those I hope that it would make the big difference, like the huge difference. And because we've all seen those riders who, I'm sure you know a rider who you're like, yeah, you know, she just like finally started riding seriously and like just went up like tremendously. Went from being like a cat four having fun to like, you know, winning elite crits, right? Something like that. We've all seen riders like that who start to like get serious and they just, rock it up yeah but i think what's more common for more people is you just put the head down and you do the work and you try and do it smart and you make incremental improvements right and the goal is 
to make a lot of them over the course of a long time. Right. And that, yeah, I, I, I do find mm-hmm. that satisfying cumulatively. It's it's very hard to find that satisfying acutely when you're like, you know, it's, it's six months into winter training with a power meter for the first time. And I'm just like, I'm not seeing the numbers skyrocket yet. Shouldn't they be seeing them skyrocket? <laughs> Should, yeah, right. Shouldn't they be huge now? Like I've been doing this for six whole months. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and, you know, there's like two things that I think of, right? Which is, yeah, we've, we've seen those riders and, and it's like, <laughs> usually they're much younger than we are. At this point. <laughs> You know, like, I, I don't know, but I feel like you and me, you maybe a little less so, but, like, are both, like, very much, like, late bloomers on the putting your head down and grinding. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't really things. start that until I was 30. Yeah, totally, totally. And, and I'm even maybe a little bit behind that trajectory. Um, though that's about the same time. It's about the same time, honestly. And you're, like, two years older than me. So there you go. Um because that was 30 was that good cross season and that was really a product of of you know even though it was <laughs> momentary um you know it was the product of like a couple years of realizing that oh like i need to actually train if i'm going to be any good um but yeah so i think i think of i think that a couple things which is like first of all um that as you said like acutely in the moment um it doesn't feel like anything but i i do like it gives you a sense of perspective to look back on my bike racer self in my first year of doing it in 2008 or like 2009 right when i've been doing it a little bit and i had some experience and i thought i knew fucking everything um and 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 it just seemed like how am i ever gonna get fast and i i think that i think that my 25 year old self would actually be incredibly impressed with how fast my 32 year old self is Mm -hmm. like like i can never be as fast as that guy um and the reality of course is now that i'm not that fast like that was when i used to look at those power charts when i didn't even have a power meter and be like oh man if i could get over that like four watts per kilo threshold like i would have it made (laughs) well I'm over four, four watts per kilo um (laughs) someone's gonna be giving me a bike (laughs) Yeah, and, and it turns out um, that's 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 not as many watts per kilo as I would like to have. I would like to have much more. But but the other thing is that both you know these days I've been embedded in the New England um, cycling community for a little while. Um, we've got this show thing going, which I think gives me a little bit more notoriety too, for better or for worse. And you know I'm riding around the last couple of days of Gloucester, and there's people all over the place. Um, yelling my name and uh they'll be happy for me if i like pull out a sweet result and 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 everything you know the, the, i'm sure they'll be glad to see me do well but like in the grand scheme of things like they don't give a shit about like whether i'm quote unquote a good bike racer like it's like kind of amazing just to have people who just are happy to see you out there and racing and like cheering for you you know what i mean i totally know what you mean because uh despite what we've been like actually talking about i think what where i find a a lot of satisfaction is in uh doing this with people and having the support of a community and giving the support to and 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 helping build and develop uh other bike racers learning from people teaching people and riding with people um yeah 
and somebody that I know um, described uh, bike racing, specifically track racing, as being not unlike playing an instrument in a symphony. And that, you know, mm-hmm. no matter how much you write about it, it can still only really be experienced and exist if people get together to do it together. Yeah. Um, and even though it's a, it's a, a, it's a competitive sport, it's still a participatory one. It, it requires a certain level of skill of all of us. Um, and I want to see all of us have that level of skill required to do it well because it's really beautiful when we do yeah it is i mean like if 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 i'm gonna get like totally real for a minute and um you know what i want like what what will make me happy and satisfied is you know to be a part of this bike you know bike racing bike riding community and like welcomed and loved and to give that back uh which is like corny but i'm gonna make myself cry saying that um but it's like i'm feeling i've been just feeling the love um this season like and actually like really recognizing like like i am so goddamn lucky um and i'm like i'm in these races and i've got people who i don't even know who they are i can't tell who it is um saying like yeah come on greg like as i ride by in like 25th place or whatever mm-hmm. in in this local race um and it's it's really wonderful um like what there's just it's it's so great yeah <laughs> and 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 like you know i wouldn't trade that for anything and, and you know to be able to do that for people on the other end and and hopefully you know you know, it, it makes me want to get more involved in in the community and do more to to um, really, you know, help other people have that experience. I guess, and and when it would, I would love to be getting those cheers from fifth place or whatever, or or third or first, but but damn, like it it uh, it's hard to imagine that it could get much better. So, um, oh. That's it. I, that's that's all I got. I can't. I'm I'm not even like speaking comprehensively, but like, yeah, it really is like why why am I still doing this? Why am I still doing this? It's been nine fucking years, um, and it's you know it's really fundamentally about like the people, and not just about yeah. like the ridiculous demands that I put on my ego to be a better bike racer. So, bike racing can yeah. give. Bike racing can take away. Uh. It gives a hell of a gi- lot, though. When it gives, it gives so much. <laughs> it, it always has more to give than it can take away, I think. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, anyway. Yep. That's what I was getting at, I think, with that question. Yeah. Uh, boy. We're getting to the end. You know what? Um... We have a couple bits of business to get through because we need to tell you, first of all, uh, you know, that we're coming to you on the Wide Angle Podium Network. Uh, let's come back to the Wide Angle Podium Network, actually. We're also brought to you by Health IQ. There's going to be, you, you have heard them at the beginning of the show. 
um we had a we had a nice little read um that maddie did for them please go check them out they've been an amazing supporter uh both of this podcast and of the wide angle podium network at large uh but before uh we get to talking about wide angle podium we do have one other thing to talk about right we do yeah so and i think and i'm 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 glad actually to transition to this from what we were what we were just talking about because it it feels right you know yeah 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 for sure but uh the honest bicycle program has been a really fun uh part of our lives um but we need to go on hiatus yeah we we got to take a little break uh for a little while um you know i'm not gonna say that it's not permanent but I'm not going to say that it is permanent. <laughs> I'm sorry for the uncertainty in that, but but life is uncertain. Um, you know, especially, like, <laughs> there's a couple things going on here. Like, first of all, I feel like, I feel like we've just knocked out a really good episode here. Yeah, <laughs> That's <too>. just me. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like sitting here, I'm listening to you talk about like the wheels or whatever, or about like your, you know, watching your friend. I'm like, fuck, <laughs> this is really good. This is good stuff. And and also like I had, you know, several people at Gloucester this weekend being like, oh, hey man, the podcast are like, oh yeah, it's good to put a, a, a face to your, your voice you oh. know, on the podcast. And I'm just like, God damn it. <laughs> because of course I knew, I knew that um, we were going to uh, be taking a break, but it's, it's, it's like this, um, you know, this has been a super busy year for me. Um, I've talked about it a little bit on the podcast, but uh, I had a new job, and then I didn't have a new job for a while, but then I did have a new job. Uh, so, uh, and that's good, but, um, you know, that's taking a lot of my attention and energy right now, and it's like I've got a longer commute, and I'm, I've am i realized, like, you know, I'm at a stage where I'm like, oh, I guess I've got to take this career shit, like, seriously, and that I care about it. Um <laughs> you know so that's <laughs> that's happening uh i'm trying to also like take the the bike racing thing like even though i'm like yeah you know I'm, I'm trying to be a little bit like happy with how things are i am trying to take the bike racing seriously and really you know to try and you know get get my 40 winks every night and all that uh and it just means that you know i feel like uh i don't have a lot of time mental energy to spare right now especially during cross season for mm-hmm. the show yeah i don't know any anything to say Matthew. Yeah, you know, when you uh, when you initially pitched me the idea of a podcast, I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. And then almost immediately I was like, right now I can't. Hopefully sometime in the future I can. And that time yeah. that time was like I was I was working a job, I was training hard, I was founding a nonprofit organization to help save the National Sports Center Velodrome, which is mm-hmm. part of the whole like maintaining and sustaining a community feels that I just talked about. Um, and I was finishing my master's degree, uh, and I was trying to get the team that I was running sort of off the ground. And I was just like, I can't do something else. I was already coming home from work and working, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I, I really know where you're at, but, uh, in the, what, three years that we've been doing this? It's been, it's been almost exactly three years. Yeah. Uh, like a little over a little less. I'm not really sure. Yeah, but episode one dropped in October 2014. Nice, nice. in the three years Isn't that we've been doing, it's it's awesome, and it and it's been just like so great to kind of get the opportunity for you and me to like 
just chat and like talk the way that we would if we were going for a ride together which is what we've never really gotten the chance to do and that's that's kind <laughs> I know, of it's that's absurd. kind of how I, how I've seen this podcast is like going for a ride with Greg um and it's been great it's been yeah. great yeah so what we're what we're going to do is um certainly I think at least for the duration of of the fall and and like I said um I can't make any promises cuz I just don't know um, what's going to happen in life, but certainly during this cross season, um, it's it's too much. It, it, I'm also on the uh, executive board of, of 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 my racing team, and it's like, oh, I actually have shit to do, <laughs> so uh, I need to spend some time on that too. It's like I have a job there, um, you know, about that giving back and whatever. Um, uh, but so we're gonna take a hiatus. That doesn't mean that we're never gonna release another another episode. Uh, you know, I think if it comes upon us to record, or if we come up with some sweet bonus content, um, you know, I, we're gonna be able to hopefully um, put that together and and put that out there. Um, you know, uh, like I said, no specific plans, but um, we do. I don't think that we're out of speaking for myself. Um, we're not out of things to say or talk about. It's just that, um, you know, there's just not time <laughs> to do it uh, right now. So so this certainly isn't the last you'll hear of me. Hopefully not the last of Matteo. I'd say certainly not the last of Matteo and, and, and not the last of us uh, hanging out together on a podcast. But, uh, yeah, and, and so that's what's happening with that. Keep, uh, stay with us as i used to say in the the very earliest days don't listen to those episodes they're not very good um i mean they're all right whatever go ahead and listen to them uh (laughs) i don't care like whatever it's a process right it's always a process you're always trying to improve um but that will that will lead us into saying thank you to spencer and the wide angle podium network um you know for giving us a home for the last god is it almost was he uh, almost two years now mm-hmm. yeah. um and you know i haven't worked out i haven't talked to spencer about this yet so so um i hope that we'll be uh you know available for download there uh at least for a while maybe for you know the indefinite future you know especially if we do decide to come back like sometime next year uh, which would be awesome if we can manage it we'll see like i said um and if not it's fine like you know, will be out there on the internet. Um, but the Wide Angle Podium Network is is uh, such a wonderful home of so many great uh, podcasts. You know, mostly cycling related. Um, obviously, you've been able to listen to us jibber jabber on there for a while. Um, but you know, there's so much so much other great stuff out there. Um, the Slow Ride Podcast is really holding down the fort. Um, still, still turning out great, and and completely ridiculous it must be said but but uh wonderful entertain entertaining stuff and um there's just been a whole suite of new shows out this year um like we got to hang out and bike shop cx is back um you know in terms of things that have been on for a little while now there's crosshairs radio which is um you know now is the time excuse me now is the time to go and check that show out because it is we are deep in the heart of cyclocross (laughs) season and bill is just churning out content um and the wine angle podium can really use your support and your membership and your love and some of your dollar bills um 
So go to wideanglepodium.com, check out the shows, go to wideanglepodium.com slash donate um, and become a member, please, please. And I would say normally, you know, you can choose which show your donation goes to. Uh, you could kick it, you know, to the whole network or you could kick it, you know, to Honest Bicycle Program because you love us. I would say right now, if you're listening to this, like uh, probably not the best show to send your money to is is hpp right now uh, <laughs> so maybe maybe pick another one that you like or just send it to the whole network um it's cool it's fine um you know we want them all to continue to succeed uh and keep turning out great shows yeah that air is really good podcast material <laughs> people love it I was uh, I was just letting that point float. I was savoring it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was it was hanging there. Um, I, I'll say this actually. I, here's here's what I here's what I've been thinking when it comes to the wide angle podium network slash donate. Um, I hit a point where I realized like I don't know why I would bother uh, buying art or music that wasn't made by people I know. Um, and I've really like taken some nice pleasure in like buying you know some paintings and prints and cds uh made by 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 people i know making art and i think that's so cool um that people are doing cool things that i just want to support them and i want to look around my house and think uh oh you know so and so did that and so and so did that and so and so did that i'm not talking about like uh you know the old masters here i'm not talking about being a collector but you know many people know a lot of people who make and sell some type of art uh, or craft. Uh, and when it comes to the wide angle podium network, you know, I, I feel very similarly, uh, that, uh, you know, it's really, it's really special when people have supported us, uh, and have put, um, their money where their interests are, uh, and really done us the honor of, uh, of saying, thanks for doing this. We want you to be able to keep doing it and we want to support you. So I encourage other people to do that and to uh, yeah. support the Wide Angle Podium Network. Yeah, what a what a feeling, what a feeling. By the way, um, you know, if you if if any of you do uh, ever need like a guest talking head on one of your shows out there, I think that we're probably available. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's mostly kind of running the show that is too much right now. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not asking for a guest spot. I'm just saying that we we have <laughs> podcast mics. If you if if people are anxious to, I don't know how anxious people are to hear more. You know more of what I have to think about or say about things. But uh, we're out there. So anyway, yeah, Wide Angle Podium Network. Um, please, please, please continue to support the network. Become a member. Um, you know they're part of our glorious and wonderful cycling family now. So yeah, make it happen. All right. Um, Matteo, it's Greg. uh it's 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 been an honor and a pleasure and i hope that we'll i hope that we'll be able to do more of this on i really do uh you know whether it's as as honest bicycle program or or some other guys you know um it's it's just it's just the best i cannot believe that you know we're hey 88 episodes right 88 miles per hour 88 episodes three years um holy shit it's it's been pretty good 1.21 gigawatts <laughs> yeah so i think that we'll uh we'll catch you guys you know you'll hear from us we're not going away we're on the internet uh i'm on twitter maddie's on twitter um and uh just keep keep tuned in i think things are going to drop occasionally 
at least uh, at some point. So, yeah. That's it. That's it. I, I've, I've dragged it on long enough. And thanks for having ridden with us so far. So far. All right. We'll let you know when the next group ride leaves. Bye now. Good night from the Honest Bicycle Program. <laughs>